Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Time now for the WEEI Producers Show on WEEI. WEEI. And streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. It's gross outside, but it is delightful here in the WEI studios in Brighton. 8 a.m. on a Saturday means it is the WEI Producers Show. My name is Ryan Garvin, producer for Jones and Mega with Arcan, 2 to 6, Monday through Friday, right here on 93.7. And I am joined by the wonderful and delightful new father, Billy Lanny, producer, of Gresh and Fourier. Billy Lanning, good morning, How sir. How are you, bud? I am feeling yucky. Yeah. It's, it's cold. It's it's the kind of weather where I just, my window's open still because yeah, it's yeah. kind of hot. It might be 95 degrees tomorrow, and I just lay in bed and go, I don't want to get I'm up. A, I'm a window open year-round guy. Year-round? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You sociopath. Love it. We get winter I just love a nice You know we get winter. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I like a nice, I love waking up just covered in blankets. Oh, my God. Joe Braverman, good morning, sir. Good morning. He's out of his mind, right? Yes. Really? To have, the windows open? to have the winter open or the window open during the winter. No, when, look, like, okay, so like I'm not saying like during like below zero freezing weather. No, you, you know, but during the winter, like if it's, you it know. Makes, it makes a lot of sense though because. 25, 30 degrees. I'm fine with the window being cracked. I'll let the listeners in on some behind the scenes stuff. The thermostat is always a point of contention across all the day parts. And I will say that one show is a little more guilty of keeping this place like a meat locker. Compared to the others, oh, and now and I'm Nick. starting to understand oh, why. Yeah. Because one thermostat controls, I think, three and a half rooms in, in this side of the building and our, our beautiful sub basement. Yeah, I like and my now hand, it's all I, coming together. Yeah, yeah, no, I like when my hands are numb by like one thirty. Oh my god! Like if I get to the show and my hands have a little bit of numbness to them, I know I uh, it keeps me awake. It keeps me uh, keeps me up and vibrant. Not, keeps, it allows me to be my vibrant. Not all self. the exciting breaking news that we've had this week and oh, what, that, 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 what a week too. it has been, at least uh, from my end. Two rained out Red Sox games have led to short programming from yeah. Gresham Fourier, which I'm sure you guys were really busted up about. 
and two doubleheaders, which is just me sitting One around the building. Cool. One day was cool. Thursday, we were like, all right. Are you tired of it? This is a the little The greatest ridiculous. rivalry in sports. We get rained out two out of the four days with so the Red Sox and the Yankees. Two last place teams. The uh, greatest rivalry. Yes, of course. The battle Fighting for, for nothing. fifth place sponsored by Greatest East rivalry, Texas. asterisk, not this year. No. Exactly. At one point, it was. Next year, rivalry. it'll be pretty great. But this year, no, we're just, uh, we're, we're all tuckered out from a long season. The season's not over. The Red Sox did lose last night. I think they got shut out three to nothing, three nothing. in Toronto. Vlad um, home run. Oh, good. He's, he's starting to bounce back. He was only, he was an MVP candidate, if I remember correctly. For a little while, yeah. Yeah, he was really good. I don't know what's happening to but him But, yeah, right I now. saw the home run. They're like, oh, that's 23. I'm like, huh, that seems low. It is. Seems it's very, very low. low. Vlad, Aaron yeah. Judge missed about two-thirds of the season, and I still think he's going to finish with as many home that's runs as Rafael Devers. Machine. Uh, and but that is not really the big story going on with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, so many things have broken this week. Uh, we'll, we'll be getting into the Red Sox here. We'll be getting into the parting of ways. Firing seems so brutal. It seems so uh, inhumane. The, the parting of ways uh, from uh, the Boston Red Sox and Hyam Bloom, the president of baseball operations since uh, the 2019 offseason uh, would love to get your thoughts on that. If you would like to join us today, uh, the number you can call, 617-779-7937. You can text 37937, although I can't see the text screen from over here. So, I don't know. Billy can glance over there and look I at can, all the nasty, terrible things that it. you people like to send to us. The problem is the last text is from 15 hours ago, and I have no idea where the mouse is to scroll it Do up. you think it's not timely? Is it not a timely text from 15 hours ago? Uh, 15 hours ago, 207 guinea pigs. Yeah, no, that's not timely at all. You're forgetting the worst pet, spider. Oh, that. <laughs> Ferrets, yuck. <laughs> that is from. Uh, uh, no, 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 that's Meg's planning. That's Meg's oh, planning. Uh, you can go back and catch that on the Odyssey app. We do that every day at 445 on Jones and Mega with Arcan. Uh, I guess the Patriots had some feature uh, with Zeke Elliott where he revealed uh, he was the snake owner. All right. He, the, that's his pet. He owns a snake. He might own other pets too, but he's bleached with he snake, snake right. which is a little weird to me. I don't love snakes. I don't love creatures with less than two legs or more than four. It's my rule. It's yeah. done me uh, pretty well. Yeah, so snakes far. have never bothered me, but to have one as a pet, I don't think I'd go that route. It just—I feel like it just wants you to be food. It doesn't think of that's you plotting. actively as food. The idea I have is that if it escapes. If there's a fear of it possibly hurting or killing you, don't have it as a pet. It's not going to nestle up to you, right, and go, oh, you're you're warm. No, it's going to try and, and unhinge its jaw and swallow yeah, you. But I see, I see the same thing about cats. Like, I'm not a big cat person. They're, okay, they're, they're not even the same. But they're, cats but cats are constantly plotting ways to murder you and take over your house. Oh, no, that's true. That's that's how I'm looking at it. I'm not if, if I died tomorrow, my cat's not cat, going to be like, quick, get help somebody. Nope. No, he's just going to lay there, and eventually when he does eventually get hungry and runs you. out of food, he's going to eat me. Right, and he's going to try to, if you, before then, he's, all those attempts of smothering you while you're sleeping. Yes, well, it's not going to eat you. It's going to make sure you don't eat and you die of uh, depression. That, too. <laughs> That too. I've done a bang up job of setting the itinerary for yes, our one hour show today. High and Bloom fired up. Oh, I said the F word. High and Bloom fired no longer with the Red Sox going forward. Uh, I also have a couple of, of lingering thoughts on the Patriots in the Eagles game I would like to get to, as well as the Patriots getting ready for their week two matchup. Uh, with the Miami Dolphins, the mighty, mighty Mike McDaniel and uh, Tua Tunga Vailoa. His brother plays for the Terrapins? It was, I mean, I can't imagine there's a lot of Tunga Vailoa's playing football right now. That kid looked pretty damn good last night. 
but that's neither here nor there. Billy Lanny, your reaction when you saw the parting of ways from High and Bloom and the Boston Red Sox was what? I'm not shocked. Not shocked. Not, I, shocked. not shocked. I figured uh, Cora was either gone or Bloom was gone, possibly both. Who knows? But the timing of it is a little off in the sense that it's like, all right, technically you were still in it. Technically, you are right now still in it. It's they a been, long shot. They're, I it's think an they're, extremely obnoxious long shot that they make the playoffs. They're magic but number eight. Mathematically, you're 14 games left with eight games out. Crazy things happen in sports. I thought it was a little too off. I think what happened was uh, I think a $1 ticket night in an empty stadium was kind of the uh, the driving point for Henry to be like, all right, we got to do something. So now I'm saying that once the season ends, you have two weeks to name a general manager because you got to get the ball moving. We can't wait until you know January or February to be like, hey, here's our GM. You're going to fire Bloom this early, then you better have people almost ready to take the job, whether it's in-house or outside. You already have an idea of who that next person is, and they got to get on the ball the second that final out is made of the final game. It's. I think a lot of people, I know I agree with the sentiment of why now? Why why do it now if, I mean, I guess if you're going to do it, why wait? But I would also say, like, they're really, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed as far as the outlook of the season goes. Like, yes, I understand. They have been, they've probably been eliminated from being in the uh, division race for a couple of weeks right. now, I would Now, guess. to be fair, this is the same exact point the previous general manager, Dave Dombrowski, was fired on September 9th. Right. Dombrowski got fired. So it's not like this is out of the ordinary for this ownership. Well, I don't know. John Henry, big haste makes waste kind of guy. I wake up one morning and go, I need to make a declaration and fire this guy and move a bunch of people around. Um, I would also say I was surprised by the timing because I go back to my initial point. What has changed so far? I think the idea that ownership was like, you know, glancing. I just see John Henry with his reading glasses at the end of his nose, and he's got a very long, like, ticker tape scroll, like, the, you know, how he used to get, like, uh, stocks and then news headlines. Right. And, he, and he gets, you know, oh, what was the printout for the game today? Dollar tickets! Dollar tickets! Oh, who must I yell at for this? I don't think that... It was dollar tickets and nobody came. That was the thing, too. It wasn't like, let's put this promotion together, and then you filled the place up because it was a dollar ticket night. You were giving but away. that was inevitable. Like, this team, like, yeah, okay, fine. Technically, they could still make a wild card spot. It's not going to, most. It's not going to happen. <laughs> no. this, this team is talking as if the season's over. Alex Cora is just already like, look, we're going to have one big meeting at the end of the year, and I'm going to Puerto Rico. But Kennedy said it the other day. He goes, you know, our goal is to make the playoffs, and we didn't achieve that goal. And at that point, it was still, you know, you were under. It was probably seven games out yeah. with 16 games to go. Um, so as a fan, like, I don't know, when you hear Kennedy say that, are you mad because as a fan of the Red Sox, you're like, hey, technically we're still in this, or are you happy at the fact that he's like, you know what? I'm waving the white flag, even though there's still the slightest chance. No, I was mad in July when yeah. they still were legitimate playoff <laughs> right, contenders. When players said, hey, and we need help, and they did not. They were two games out, two and a half games out going into that Mariners series, going into that Blue Jays series, and we they just said, we're, we're just not going to do anything at all. So I think the idea that, you know, 
Dodgers fan. It was so surreal. Like we were at Fenway Park when you know that first came back from Mookie Betts, and it turned into Dodgers Mardi Gras. They're, they had not seen anything like this. Houston fans taking over. Toronto Blue Jays fans getting a national holiday, and they came down and took over Fenway that Park. Was Sox fans at one point. Yeah, that, that's really nice and everything. But I just believe that ownership looks at that and goes, "Ah, people are going to games." What do I care? Right. I what do I care? They, I don't care what they're clothes for. they're wearing or who they cheer, who they boo when they come, you know, to yep. the stadium. Uh, well, look, I mean, I'm sorry you feel that way. Look, it's how I feel, Sam. I I, I got some some gripes with how Sam Kennedy has been flip flopping back and forth throughout this whole ordeal. No, I think his High and Bloom's firing is it has to be more towards just the paralysis by analysis. We had Rob Bradford on on Thursday. I'm getting all my days run together because of how the schedule has fallen out for this team and how it has drastically affected my radio program. And Rob had this bombshell where there was an offer for Chris Sale before he broke his finger in 2022. Remember, he came back from his rib injury. He pitched in two games, took a comebacker off his hand, mangled his finger, shut him down for the year. Comes back this year. I think he was like six and four, struck out like a hundred something guys. I'm just guessing the ERA was like four, five, whatever. And there were times he looked really good, and there were times he looked terrible and had no location whatsoever. So the opportunity arose last year, if, if what you believe Rob is saying is true, which I do, by the way. I've had a, lot, a couple long conversations with Rob Bradford over the last couple of days, and I am 100% inclined to believe that what he is saying is true, that Haim Bloom had the opportunity to trade Chris Sale to a team that was willing to eat that money and take that so you contract. Have a couple weeks before the deadline, a team yes. offered to pay for Chris Sale's entire salary for the rest of the time and give players and they wanted more play. They wanted better players. Yeah. And that's an excellent place to cut it, Joe. Thank you so much. It was Thursday. Uh, Rob came on with us after the high and bloom firings. Uh, that's the kind of stuff I think that inevitably led to high and blooms downfall. It was the inability to go, okay, let's make a move on this. Okay. I'm happy. Let's go. It, we're winning the trip. Fine. It's a 51-49 win, but we're still getting a win. Uh, he was so scared of the risk more than the reward of making big-time deals. The unknown of, like, oh, no, maybe this guy could turn into, you know, I, I've heard that, it would, like, Jeffrey Springs might be the, you know, the move that they made. Like, oh, we really wish we hadn't done that. Or they, you can move on from a guy and he's Yoan Mankata, and it's not a big deal. John Tomasi echoed the same sentiments on early edition. There were deals in place. Again, if you believe what John Tomasi and Rob Bradford are saying, some of you guys think that, you know, you haven't covered a second in baseball, but you know more than these guys. Fine. It's your prerogative to be wrong, if I can quote Rob Bradford. I am inclined to believe these guys. I am inclined to believe the people that are talking to the movers and the shakers in baseball day after day after day. And if John Tomasi is going on TV and saying, well, there were deals in place at the deadline to sell this team off, to move on from your veterans Ownership approved of it. Nothing happened. At and, the trade deadline, ah, Bloom thought yes. he had some deals ready to go, trading away veteran players. Ownership was apprised of it. Ownership signed off on it. 
and then it didn't happen. And so when something like that doesn't happen, I think that caused a lot of people at that level we talked about on this show to question their faith in him, and that led to today. We all have bosses. Again, John Tomasi in early edition the other night. We all have bosses, and if your boss is like, listen, I believe in you to do this, and you go, okie dokie, I can do it, and then you turn around and you do nothing at all, why should your boss believe that you have the ability to make these moves? Now, I know as I am saying this in my head, I'm like, well, it sounds like you're giving ownership an out. And I will never give ownership an out because there there are plenty of preventative ways to not have Dodgers and Astros and Blue Jays fans taking over your ballpark. There are plenty of preventative ways to have butts in seats in September, even if you were a middling baseball team. All those things could have been done by ownership, and they weren't. But the idea that you have, you know, a general man, not general man, a president of baseball operations in place who seems like he's kind of acting autonomously and has the ability, yes, you can do that, and then turns around and does nothing with it, I think that was the demise of High and Bloom. I can't abide the narrative that, okay, we're firing him because people weren't going to games. We're firing him because tickets were a dollar. But we also said you could sell off the team. Like, that's... I am not willing to go out on a limb and say John Henry is that detached that he would go, yeah, sell the team, but I expect full capacity in late September when you're one game over 500. That makes no sense, Billy. How much hesitation do you think Bloom had in pulling the, pulling the trigger on those deals because of the bets move? In the sense that you traded bets. You, okay, let's just say, okay, we weren't going to sign him because they're trying to save money. You bring back Verdugo, who was meh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he must be worried that, okay, if I trade, sale, and bring back nothing, people are going to be pissed. I think that... You know a, what I mean? So I think A lot boots- of people were saying that if they go turn around and sell pieces in July, I being one of them, I would have been pissed at that. But right. then knowing what we know now, obviously we can't like go back and be like, listen, in two months, things are actually going to get worse. But the idea that you're you're not going to do anything at all to bolster this team is what led to their record. It wasn't any surprise. Yeah, there was no sense of direction. There was no sense of direction. There was no pitching staff. It's not a surprise that you ended up how you ended up. So all these things that we want to get to today on the producer show, again, the number if you want to join us in our short hour, 617-779-7937. You can text in at 37937. Maybe I will get up as I stretch myself out around the studio and go look at some of the, the delightful comments that you people like to send us on the text, uh, whatever it is, little text line over there. Red Sox, High and Bloom, your thoughts. What is the direction of this team going forward? Also, some lingering thoughts I have. Some things I was happy about in Patriots, Eagles, some things I was not so proud of. And also, Patriots, Dolphins, big Sunday matchup, Mac versus Tua. We will do all of those things. But first, Joe Braverman is going to tell you what's trending. The Rich Keefe Show, weeknights starting at 6. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. On the field for the Red Sox, they're back to an even 500 following a 3-0 loss to the Toronto Blue Jays up in the Rogers Center. Lone RBI came from Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s three-run blast off of Brian Bayo, who went six innings and struck out 10. Despite the loss, Alex Cora praises his young starter. Throughout the season, he's been the mo- our most consistent starter, you know, you know, not too many people are talking about him uh, throughout the league, but when you look up the innings and the W's and, and you know, the ERA and all that stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's been a solid season for him. 
With a Yankees win over the Pirates, the Sox are back in the basement of the division. They are sitting last in the AL East. Game two of this three-game set will take place this afternoon. Will Fleming and Lou Maloney have the call from Toronto at 310 on the Shaws and Star Market. WEEI Red Sox Network, Shaws perfecting the art of fresh. Chris Sale will get the start for the Sox. Opposite Chris Bassett for Toronto. John Lyons will get everything ready with the Mass Mutual pregame show at 210. Mass Mutual Insurance Planning Investments. Patriots have four of their five starting offensive linemen on the final injury report ahead of Sunday night's showdown with the Miami Dolphins. Trent Brown, Mike Onwenu, City Sow, and Cole Strange are all listed as questionable, along with cornerback Jack Jones and receiver Devontae Parker. On the other side for Miami, four players are listed as questionable, including tackle Teron Armstead and linebacker Jalen Phillips. Some other injury news around the NFL. Chargers running back Austin Eckler has been listed as doubtful, while Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey and Broncos receiver Jerry Judy are expected to make their season debuts tomorrow. Boston College begins ACC conference play as they host number three Florida State today at noon. And the Revolution are out west to take on the Colorado Rapids tonight at 9.30. This is the Revs' first game under interim head coach Clint Pay after former head coach Bruce Arena resigned a week ago amid an investigation into making inappropriate comments. I'm Joe Braverman, and that's what's trending on WEEI and WEEI.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Do you feel that as an ownership group, you have to change how you approach hiring um, a person to, to lead the organization given there's been a significant amount of turnover in, in that span? Yeah, look, what I would say is um, we and those of us in the ownership group, it's myself included, um, share responsibility and blame always. We're a team. We're an organization that um, that works very collaboratively together. Um, in terms of making a change how we operate, um, I'd put our group up against anyone in Major League Baseball. So my answer to your question, I guess, is no. We, we're going to keep doing the same thing, which is relentlessly chasing winning and chasing personnel and people in the front office that are going to put us uh, where we belong, and that's playing baseball in October. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm so... The hairs on my neck are standing up. I hate that answer so much. But I love this show. It's the WEEI Producers Show every Saturday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Ryan Garvin from Jones and Mego. Billy Lanny from Gresham Fourier. No shine this morning. Just worried about the hurricane. It's okay. We're going to get through it, big dog. 
Joe Braverman behind the glass. Might have been trapped. Producing everything. Still waiting for that iced coffee from last week. Joe, yeah, Joe Braverman, producer of everything else. It's an even split here. One third, one third, one third. That was Sam Kennedy on Thursday following the parting of ways of High and Bloom, the former, now former president of baseball operations. Which, by the way, this was like the announcement was made like an hour before the last uh, doubleheader. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. It was like way out of left field. It was so funny, too, because when you saw Kennedy at the table, there were three maybe four like recording devices yeah. you know you know what mm-hmm. i mean so it was such short notice there was brad foe's mic that i saw and then i saw a couple recorders after that so it was the handful of people that were lucky enough to be there at that time impromptu media scrum with sam kennedy who says he counts himself as part of ownership i guess that's true i guess that makes him part of ownership and boy i could probably spend the better part of a day uh just complaining about some of some of the phrasing, the flip flopping that that man has done since he comes on the morning show uh, for the front on no, the, the front office report. Sounds some, about right. Some rotation of people uh, like that. Do. Sam Kennedy, who came on after the trade deadline and said, "Listen, we didn't want to offend the baseball gods. We're not going to make moves just for the sake of making moves. Why would we do that? We're not going to give up on our prospects. That's not how we're building this team." And then sits there with a straight face two months later and says, "Well, we're." Rel- Relentlessly addicted to winning and championships. Come back to hurt you. Like, shut up with that. Like, r- really, you can sit there and say that the Red Sox fans are the most intelligent fan base in sports, and then turn around and insult my intelligence right. like that to say you're relentlessly pursuing championships and winning. Like, it's the, the complete opposite. Sometimes if anything, the best deals you make are the ones, the ones you, you don't, don't make. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that, that was like two years ago. Like, we've been getting fed the same line of, as my man Shannon Sharp would say, bull hockey for three years now. And it's all come to a culmination. It's all come to a head. High and Bloom is out. Billy, you asked a, an interesting question either in the break or as we were going into the break about High and Bloom. Yep. And if High and Bloom in his mind thought that he had more time to operate this team than he ended up getting. And I would like you to kind of expound Right. So the question idea. was if 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 did Heim Bloom think if I move Chris Sale, I'm done? Yes. Did he go does oh, I'm he, saying, did he I'm, know, yes, I'm, did he know he was on borrowed time? Did he not make moves to give the team any more any other extra reason to give him the boot? I think if you're in his position, you're feeling the pressure because it's a vocal fan base. Right. I mean, yeah, even though they're not showing up in September for the they greatest rivalry in sports, like they're going to, you'll get praised when you do well and you're going to be, you know, uh, ripped to shreds and thrown in the trash if you're not doing what is expected of you. And in, in this market, in this city, since I have been a young lad, it's been trying to win. Trying to be competitive it is the name of the game in every single move that has been made by this front office for the last three years. I'm not going to count 2020. It was a ridiculous season and a ridiculous time in human history. Everything after that, though, I can't 
understand how you would go, no, 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 this is how we were relentlessly pursuing winning. Like, what, trading Christian Vasquez and then doing nothing else? Uh, you know, instead of trying to bring back Nathan Avaldi, who wanted to be here, by the way. Like, let's not mince that. Nathan Avaldi wanted to be with the Boston Red Sox. You made it impossible for him to come back. Michael well, we're, Walker. We're going to get Corey Kluber. Let, letting Michael Walker walk out the door. No pun there. All these things have led up to where we are now. And I wanted Joe to play that question. I believe it was uh, Jen McCaffrey uh, from The Athletic, I want to say. I don't know. I don't have any of that stuff up in front of me. Who asked a very poignant question in a very real question to Sam Kennedy. Are you concerned about the reputation that this ownership has developed? Now, why should they be concerned? It's really simple because every single president of baseball operations or general manager, whatever goofy baseball title they, they want to you know decree upon themselves, has been fired in untimely fashion. Under five years. You, ben are, you, you take a job, you know you, you have five years. Dave Dombrowski. Uh, Hyam Bloom. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Theo, Theo and Ben Sherrington were like, listen, what's the deal? And then they're like, we're going to go and find other opportunities. Do you think it- that's why people are like thinking maybe Theo? Because Theo's been like the only sustained general manager in the no, 21st I, century. I think people are thinking Theo because it was like, they're whoa, Theo. Right. It's a desperation thing. And Theo built honesty- championships. The- Theo was the architect of breaking two baseball curses for two franchises that had no business winning until he got Got there, and it was just kind of convenient that he happened to be around at the time of the firing. But there, no, there was no chance that High uh, and Bloom's replacement was going to end up being Theo Epstein. Right, and Theo was able to do it, spending and building. And you know what I mean? Theo was able to do both, put up the money. The, well, and that's bring what it most guys in that right? that job should be able to do, Billy. Right? No, one hundred percent. And then the thing is, right now, I think with Theo, I think Theo has a better chance of becoming the commissioner of the league than wanting to come back and be the GM or president of baseball ops. You can't say any dumber things than, than Rob Manford right now. That's what the uh, 401 texter said. Theo's on his way to be the next commissioner. Right, like why He's, would you want, the, why would you want yeah. the headache of dealing with John Henry? Like the guy left at one point because he was sick of the way ownership and Lucino were doing things. Plus he's Eventually getting standing ovations for implementing the pitch clock and right. all these new rules. So Theo's it's like why greatest, would he leave that? Greatest rule change in, in Theo's the on, sports. Theo's on to bigger and better things. Theo doesn't need to, I mean it'd be awesome if he did just because it's like, oh I remember Theo Epstein. I remember you that. Know, yeah, right. I remember the, how it was when he was here. But no, this is. I think the Red Sox are in his rear view, and he has, uh, you know, bigger things going on. Like I said, with going to become the commissioner of this league at some point. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is the number you would like to join us on our one hour of the producer show, Joe. If you could pull up Ray and Revere on line one is saying Kennedy's comments are indicative of denial. Ray, good morning. Please explain your thoughts. Yeah. Saying that the organization is not going to go about hiring general managers any differently and that they're relentlessly committed to winning is either denial or just being disingenuous, guys. You just laid it out. They, they fired three GMs in roughly four years. There's something wrong with what they're doing. And, you know, it starts with the people making the decisions. No, it and for does. For that matter, guys, um, yes. they, they're not spending like they used to spend. And, you know, they don't have the farm system. Just so I get it. John Henry doesn't want to go off and spend $300 million on a 30-year-old starting pitcher. Well, guess what? They develop pitchers like, like comets coming through the solar system. Literally, this Bayo is the first pitching prospect in 17 years. 
in, in honestly, nobody coming behind him. Thank you for the call, Ray. I, look, I agree with everything that you're saying. Uh, look, ownership is still very culpable in this as well. And the problem is with the structure of baseball. How? When are these? What is the age usually that these pitchers are finally getting to free agency? Oh, it's like 28, 29, 30, You know, especially if they're late bloomers. So the idea that one of the first things the next guy has to do when they come in here is go get starting pitching good luck with that i mean you know yamamoto is the the hot trendy thing coming out of japan i think he had another no hitter a couple days ago too oh my goodness gracious i would love that kid in a red Sox uniform but my goodness how am i supposed to feel great about the direction of the team when you haven't been able to do anything i mean look i like the signing of masataka yoshida and to sit and say that every single thing that high and bloom did did was wrong and didn't work out is is also like sam kennedy's comments uh, on thursday disingenuous and and not true if you like nick pavetta and you should by the way you got him for the corpse of heath henry and brandon workman he rule five garrett whitlock and if garrett whitlock's elbow is intact you've got a good pitcher that has shown he can have some performance out of the starting uh rotation in the bullpen you wanted devas locked up he locked him up you got rafael devers congratulations you have a 30 million dollar third baseman slash first baseman of the future maybe if casas does something else or a designated hitter um the justin turner worked adam duvall worked if yeah four, didn't get four hurt. or five years from now people are going to look at what heim bloom did and they're going to see more positives than negatives right, right. And, but, and that's how it was with dave dombrowski and just the, the last uh little caveat to this conversation before we uh downshift into football uh is that i think that the firing of dave dombrowski is going to have the the butterfly effect, I should say, of the fire. It's already a stain since Philly made the World Series right. last. Well, year. not. And, and I don't even think it has anything to do with that, Joe. I think it's just the idea of like, why would I want to take this phone call? It, if I am like a second or third level executive on another team, say I'm Josh Burns in Los Angeles, and I'm really answering to like two people, Andrew Friedman and the general manager's name escapes me. Why would I want to uproot my life and come to Boston where I'm going to have a better job and more control? And if I do the job the way I'm supposed to do it, I'm going to get canned in four years. That that doesn't make any sense. And I think people are going to look not necessarily at the firing of Hyam Bloom, but at Dave Dombrowski winning a World Series and then turning around and going farm system, farm system. When in reality, you didn't like the deals he was making. That's what it comes down to. Why would I want to take this job? You know what the thing is, too? The manager positions like that. Francono came up, won, had his issues, they got rid of him. Farrell comes in, wins, had his issues, got rid of him. Mm -hmm. How big was his window? You know what I mean? Alex Gore comes in, win. You know what I mean? So just like with the GM having this five-year window... This this is a you you want a team where there's sustainability. The GM's here for a while, the manager's here for a while, and both positions that's not the case. It's it's so weird in baseball that you've got a team that is constantly change. It feels like they're changing direction every four right, years. Right, a team with that payroll and that kind of popularity, it just it doesn't seem like those changes should be happening as often as they do. This is the WEI producer show every Saturday morning, eight AM to nine AM. Ryan Garvin, Billy Lanny, Joe Braverman producing behind the glass. Um, we are coming off of a week one. I don't know if we're throwing moral victories around too much. The Patriots had a very compelling game against the Eagles in their opener. Uh, they lost 25 to 20. Uh, Billy, what was your biggest takeaway coming out of that game? I hate the word moral victory. 
I hate it, but again, I, I think when I was here Saturday, I think I might have said 24-21. Something like that. Yeah, so it wasn't too far off from what they I... They were going to be a sparky little team. They're not going to win, but they're going to try. Right, That's yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, he, he threw it a lot, but I thought Mac Jones didn't look too bad. The defense, I thought, looked good. That's... It was, I think it was a, it was a good game considering it was a loss. You know, you were going up against the NFC Championships op- at champion opening night. It's, it was, it was. I wasn't upset by the defeat. We'll say, um, def- I, I, I like the way the defense looked. You know, there wasn't much running, there wasn't much receiving. There, you know, the offense wasn't really that. All you know, Mac had his three touchdowns. A couple of nice passes though to Bourne. That, oh. that first touchdown was was awesome. It didn't have like the giddy up I would like to have on it, but again, he hit the mock, and that's all. That that's all that really matters. Well, so I, was, I'm going to agree with you 100. percent I I think I don't also am not like a big fan of moral victories, but I think you can have good losses. You can take positives away. I from think it. you can have productive losses. And the thing that is stopping me from saying that was a moral victory is because they should have won that game. Yeah, I thought that Mac Jones was better than Jalen Hurts. I thought the Patriots for the large parts of the game played better than the Philadelphia Eagles did. Who I have absolutely going back to the Super Bowl. I think. Between what you saw the Eagles in week one and week two against the Vikings, they're probably not really either one of those teams where, you know, it's going to be A.J. Brown not doing as much or Jalen Hurts not throwing for 200 yards, which he didn't do in either game that he played. Um, a lot of the things that that I made notes of from last week, I ended up seeing. Um, you know, I got to see a real offensive line. I'm not saying that the linemen were doing well, but they gave Mac enough protection yep. to get the ball out and get the ball out quick, and that could be why you weren't seeing a lot of that zip you were looking for. Um, you know, I wanted the J.J. Watt game plan on Hassan Reddick. I didn't hear his name one time. Nope. I didn't hear his name one time. Josh Sweat was a little bit of a problem, but Mac Jones throwing the ball directly into his hands uh, could have led to that as well. Right, only giving up 79 yards to uh, A.J. Brown, that's a win. Was incredible. Um, I think, for the most part, keeping like Jalen Carter at bay, I mean, he's still, that, that kid is going to be a Force for the for those Eagles going forward. Um, the battle of the coordinators, I think, for the most part, uh, that Steve Belichick and and Gerard Mayo and Bill O'Brien did a better job than um, uh, Sean Desai. And I'm blanking on the uh, the offensive coordinator for for the Eagles. Overall, I would say, and this is I I got to get into, into it with Shine the next time that I see him. Like I feel like if you look at this game and you want to complain about it, at this point you're just looking for things to complain about. Right. I think between Aaron Rodgers getting injured and then the the regression that, that seems to be happening in real time with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, uh, and I also wouldn't say that I'm any you know huge advocate of Tua. I sweat for that man's health. Oh my god, I I cringe every time right. I see him yeah, get it's, hit. It's not safe for him. But you're in a. I think you're in a good position right now. Right, Mac Jones had a top five quarterback week. You know what I mean? Like if out of all the performances yes. that week, Mac Jones was right up there. And look, he did throw the ball a lot. I don't yeah, think yeah. the game plan was them for th- to, to throw the ball fifty four <laughs> times. But I think a lot of what we saw it it, it looked. It looked like a real offense, yep. and they lost because the other team made more plays than them. It wasn't what has normally led to their losses, which was boneheaded penalties, which they had a few of. Um, the inability to get the play in, just head-scratching uh, uh, play calling. I didn't love the idea of going for it on 4th and 17 or not taking the points, but that's neither here nor there. There's a lot of positive things that they can build on, 
and they can do those things starting Sunday night as they get ready to take on the Miami Dolphins. We have one more segment here on the WEI Producer Show. We will share and explore some thoughts on Patriots Dolphins when we return right after this. This is Bruce Springsteen, right? I'm always so good at these. It's Bruce or Taylor. It's like. Ryan Garvin, Billy Lanny, Go Braverman behind the glass. This is the final segment of the week for the WEI Producers Show. Ken and Curtis are on immediately following the conclusion of this program. We've touched many, many things today, Billy. Not each other, though. Yeah. That, that is not allowed to the rules of Odyssey. Sorry. We keep our hands to ourselves. Fine. But we have touched the Red Sox, High and Bloom, the weird things that Sam Kennedy chooses to say, uh, some lingering thoughts that we had from the Patriots and the Eagles. You can always rewind on the Odyssey app. I don't think we have, like, a designated producer show portion of I think it's all just weekend shows and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think we just fall under that umbrella. But we're in there. Bring your Somewhere. umbrella. It, the weather, the weather. Oh, we do. That's cool. I didn't know that. It's a perfect length for. Clearly, a drive I've looked. Too. I guess I've, like a one hour. Uh, the the podcast of the show is the perfect just for a ride. Yeah, yeah it's no, like forty minutes. Perfect in it's, and out. It's a commute. You can go and you try can to listen as much stuff as we can in that time. We get we, a little reckless sometimes. We certainly do. Listen, I'm 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 just kind of going how I'm feeling, and I'm feeling like the Patriots are going to win this game. Yeah, I like, I'm Sunday. with that. I'm with you on that one. Uh, the Miami Dolphins are. Uh, Really looking like quite the offensive force, although I think some of those numbers that they put up last week against the Chargers might be a little overblown. Yep. Um, Tyreek Hill is he's very fast. I don't know if you've heard this. Uh, he, he runs and he, he does it like the Dickens, I swear. So he, then wait, why does he have the Cheetah nickname? Um, he's he's just a, a, an aficionado of, of big cats. I don't like big cats. I like normal sized cats. I don't like like the whole. I already said King cats want to kill you. That so. was me. That was me. No, that was that was my view. Ryan's. A cat I mean, guy. I I I don't know that they don't want to kill me. They're 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 <laughs> mercurial creatures by nature. Uh, like but Kyrie. dolphins, dolphins are actually pretty smart and they seem kind of nice. Uh, but I don't want them to be winning football games. And as we finished the last segment, saying if you're a Patriots fan and you've been watching how this team has developed uh, in the Mac Jones era of football. I don't know why you wouldn't feel encouraged about the direction that this team is headed. Um, now, that could all be dashed away if they go out and start to regress and look like they did in 2021, uh, in 2022. But I didn't see that. I saw a team that, for the most part, was um, like bunch formations. Like, Dan Orlovsky, we talked to Dan Orlovsky every Wednesday during the football season around 3.30 on Jones and Mago. And one of the things that Dan pointed out about this game was how the bunch formations worked. And I agreed with him. It was something that if you watch, I'm not like an all-22 guy, but all you would have to do is just watch. Like, okay, nobody's open. Well, why is that? Because Matt Patricia and Joe Judge can't scheme an offense that gives your wide receivers space. And they were doing that all game long, it felt like. 
to to kind of isolate Darius Slade, to to pick on James Bradbury, to get guys open, and they were finding uh, you know crossers coming uh, over the field and converting first downs. You're like, oh my god, I've never seen this. This is amazing. Right. It's it's creating clusters because you don't have Randy Moss. No, you know what I mean. So you have to cause confusion for the defense. Use your guys to get cut open. across the middle, wiggle this way. That's what normal that football Just, teams do. Right. So it's Sunday. It's my one concern was the Patriots running game, just because more so because their offensive line is really good. Yeah, I guess we could, I guess yeah. we could say that. But the Dolphins give up a lot of run yards on the ground. It was watching the 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 game week one of last year, which was I I forgot how bad that game was last year. Uh, and Trent Brown started in that game. Remember, Trent Brown uh, completely missed his assignment, and Mac Jones got blown up in like their own ten yard line, yep. and that was the touchdown. Uh, there was this weird force feeding of deep balls to don't isolate that to uh, Devontae Parker, which it just it made no sense. The the like it's like third and four, and they're just airing it out down the field. Um, they ran, but to your point, Billy, they ran very well with Damian Harris. And I was one of the people that was pearl clutching all se- uh, going into the season going, I don't know what this offensive line is going to be. Based on what they did last week with the ragtag bunch they put together that was anchored by D- David Andrews, it seems like they're in a good enough position where they've weathered the storm. Right. They got the tough guys out of the way first. If you can deal with the Eagles that banged up, you should be well-versed to deal with anybody coming up. The Jets will be very interesting. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. I don't have the same, like, icky feelings when I'm like, oh, God, Christian Wilkins and that secondary and those linebackers, Bradley Chubb. I don't feel that way. Dallas uh, there was cool. this weird force-feeding of deep balls. I didn't say that. That's not me. That was not my voice. Um... So, yeah, I feel like, you know, as I said, we're not handing out moral victories to this team, but I believe that you can have good losses. I predicted the Patriots to win uh, last Sunday, although I didn't really believe it. I just felt like if they could do a couple of the things, you know, to pick apart that defense of the Eagles, which they Plus, did. it's week one. You're optimistic. You want to believe Every that. Every team yeah. is in it. Right. Every team is in it. Look, the Chiefs lost to the Detroit Lions. Maybe they'll be a good team, but the Chiefs were have been in many Super Bowls and have the best quarterback in football right now. Um, I am picking the Patriots this week, Lanny. I'm not doing a score because I think that's dumb. But I feel better picking them this week than I would have going into it before. And I think a lot of that is predicated on how functional this team looked compared to where they were last year. It's a, I think it is trending in the right direction, and I think that they have a lot of good things to build on. So I am picking the Patriots, Billy Lanny. Right there Dolphins with you. Patriots. Joe? I will go Patriots by a touchdown. We've right. got a sweep on this show. Hope so. Of all Patriots picks, and hopefully we can continue to uh, see the Patriots. You know what? I'll be ambitious with the score since you guys oh, won't. I'll go, go thirty-one to twenty-four. Well, good. You you be ambitious. We're, we're full time. Hopefully, producers. you wrote that. We down. don't need to be ambitious. We've already hit the big time, man. <laughs> and this has been the big time. Uh, that is our time. It is uh, time to end the show and say goodbye to everybody again. If you missed any portion of the producer's show, we are on every Saturday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. You can get us on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Billy Lanny, Joe Braverman producing Behind the Glass. My name is Ryan Garvin. Thank you for joining us. We are done. And Ken and Curtis are coming up next. Don't go anywhere. See ya. Later.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.